1: tuned in to the 49ers rush podcast and here is your host john chapman all right nfl draft fans and 49ers this is time to talk some more draft football so if you listen to our previous episode we broke down our top tier of wide receivers kelvin harman marquise brown and dk metcalf those guys are all in the top tier for me and what i want to do today is break down kind of that second and third tier even though they are pretty close to each other talk a little bit about some NFL news especially D Ford as rumors are hitting up or heating up that D Ford is a possibility to land in San Francisco and that they uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers are two teams that have constantly reached out and are trying to get a deal done for the pass rusher so uh, that's what's at stake this uh, episode so if you want to jump forward to the draft talk that is going to be up there but I want to talk about D Ford now D Ford had a great year last year, obviously, and he, he had a rough first three years, and last year was great. Now, the position that he played in his one successful year, if you go back and watch all of his sacks, which, again, I'm not trying to belittle what he did, he did it standing up on the outside. Um, you know, he played a little bit more of that outside linebacker in the three four area kind of that ghost nine where he just splits very very far out and he comes off the edge what makes d ford special is his first step in quickness and this is kind of a big deal why he was so unsuccessful early on you know he came out and basically struggled mightily (laughs) his first few years then he had a 10 sack performance then he went to two sacks and then 13 sacks last year so Here's the deal. I would love D. Ford on the 49ers football team, but the problem is this. Because he's already been franchised, not only are you going to have to give up a second, probably a second or third rounder to get him, you're also going to have to pay him north of $17 million a year because that's just what free agents go for in today's NFL. So you're talking about a three- to four-year contract, $17 million per, which we have the room for. I don't have a problem with that. But the main issue is... We have not seen him successful with his hand in the ground. Now, if you go all the way back to D Ford's Auburn days, and I remember scouting him just saying, man, elite first step, elite first step. And he was in a 4 3 in college. So if you want to go ahead and take that projection and say, well, we saw him do it in college, so he should be able to do it here, maybe. Um, you know, the 49ers are, especially on defense, historically known in the past two years of playing people out of position and trying to fit their talents into our scheme. And it's worked with some, and it has been absolutely catastrophic with others, i.e. Solomon Thomas. So uh, this is one of those that I'm hoping the 49ers lose out on. Yes, I understand pass rush is the number one concern. And I do want a pass rusher, but I do not want to give up top-tier draft capital. And I do not want to pay top-tier money, and I do not want to put a person um, outside of where they have been successful in the NFL, namely putting his hand down. I know it's very, very similar. But you don't see him going through the play-side shoulder of offensive tackles to... To make his sacks. If you go watch all of his sacks, he is wide nine, ghost nine, screaming off the edge, and we don't do that. We we don't do that in our defensive scheme. He's going to have to line up on the outside shoulder and fight through that. And so that's the thing. It's just a little bit too much for me. If we could get him for a fourth, which I know the Chiefs will not let him go for that, then I would say sure. But if you're talking about a second round pick, hell no. Third round pick, I'll feel a little bit better. But, again, those three concerns are huge for me there. Now, let's switch over real quick, and let's talk about the NFL draft, okay? And I wanted to make sure I got an episode out this weekend, um, so it's probably not going to be a longer one, but these three guys are just absolutely uh, unreal. And people are giving a lot of, you know, early on, everybody's saying, oh, super weak wide receiver class, super weak wide receiver class, but then... Uh, the combine happens and everybody's like, well, hold on. (laughs) There are some physical freaks that are involved here that, you know, I did my projections out and I've done several first and second round mock drafts so far. If you head over to eatsleepfantasy.com, you'll see on there Chapman's NFL mock drafts. And so that link, anytime I update a new mock draft, it just overwrites what it's there. So check back weekly because I do a new one every week. But I really do think, you know, my projection, I'm thinking two to three wide receivers go in the first round and seven go in the second round. That's kind of what this draft looks like because there are so many talented wideouts that are scheme specific. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But as far as the second tier, uh, these are guys that, you know, are borderline first round wide receivers but probably all going to go in the second round and that's Hakeem Butler of Iowa State AJ Brown of Ole Miss and Nikhil Harry of Arizona State so I want to jump in let's dive into depth on these guys we will I'll go over my coaching slash scouting notes uh player comps draft position and then I'll run them through the ringer again I have a 10 kind of part criteria or rubric that I grade every single player on based on their position and I'll talk about those things so um Let's just jump in with the, the giant <laughs> madman himself, Hakeem Butler. Six foot six, 227 pounds. He ran a 4.48, which is insane time for a guy that's 6'6. You know, a lot of people want to talk about DK Metcalf, and rightfully so, running the 4.33, but I would argue a 6.6 wide receiver at 227 running 4.48 is equally, if not more, so impressive. 35 inch arms. 10 and three-quarter hands, and if you don't know what those are, this guy is just crazy long. Um, You know, after the combine every year, I do a catch radius chart where I add up the height, the arm length, and the vertical, and that kind of gives you the idea of where these players fit and how high they can jump and what their target or catch radius is going to be for the quarterback. Well, Hakeem Butler and DK Metcalf tied with 149 inches, which, again, let me save you some math, that's basically 12 and a half feet up in the air. So if you want to think about basketball, they're just off of their vertical are pretty close to touching the top of the backboard. Uh, they can get up there pretty dang high. Uh, So if you have a quarterback and if you're struggling in the red zone, Hakeem Butler is going to be your number one wide receiver for a lot of teams. There's no doubt. Uh, Again, 49ers, their red zone woes are well documented. If you are looking for somebody to kind of throw that back in fade to or in the back of the end zone running across, this is your number one guy, and that's Hakeem Butler. Now, deep ball, that's kind of who this guy is. Adjust as well as anybody in the draft when the ball is in the air, you know, just uh, ball awareness, body awareness, all those things are there, he knows where he is, drags his feet on the sideline as he makes catches very well, he is always running routes at uh, past the sticks, not before the sticks, which 49ers fans, we've seen that, capable blocker, uh, that's fine, but the biggest critique that I had of him is that he lets the ball get into his body a little bit too often, um, now he can extend and naturally pass catch, and what I mean by that um, is getting your arms out in front of you and plucking the ball out of the air. So he can do that, but sometimes he doesn't. So if he can get a little bit more discipline there, now it's great that you can see it on film. Okay, he knows how to do it, but sometimes he lets the ball get into him too much. So you want to get rid of that. Um, absolutely great at getting off the line of scrimmage versus press coverage. He's so big and long that uh, he is able to use his leverage quite well. Um, so it, here's the thing a couple more concerns and again why i have him in the second tier is he doesn't run the full route tree but on deep routes and comebacks he is exceptional and you can't teach the deep ball the deep ball is everything so out of balls that have traveled 20 plus yards in the air um, he led the ncaa in most deep ball catches um he, he had 19 catches on 37 targets so you could see you know at Iowa State, they were basically floating it up there for him and just letting him go get it, and he was just over 50%, 57% on that. He only had 17 drops. Uh, I say only had 17 drops. I should have said he had 17 drops. That's that's a negative statistic on 110 targets. So he is something that is special, and as I said before, he will be number one, the number one wide receiver on a few different teams' draft boards. Um, And my player comp is, he is exactly what we hoped Doriel Green Beckham would be. So if you go back to DGB, who was in the news uh, this week again, got arrested. But um, he is what we thought he was. Just this superior athlete and superior size to everybody else on the field. And he has the body control and hands whenever he practices to put the ball in the end zone. So I think he will go in the second round, early second round. Um, Now let's run him through the criteria of what I have here. So. These are in order of importance, and so the most important thing, and I'll do this for all the wide receivers we talk about today, route running. Now, route running and full route tree kind of go together. The routes that he runs are impeccable, so I gave him a 9. The problem is he only runs 2 out of 10 on the full route tree. He doesn't do a lot of complex routes, so he's going to have to work. He is kind of the antithesis of, you know, we look at Dante Pettis, who can do everything and get separation and all those things. That's not who this guy is. That's not who he is. Natural pass catcher, I gave him a 6 because he can do it. Not that he always does it. Separation is a 6. He's a speed guy. Uh, Contested catches is a 7. That's what he does. Elusiveness is a 7, actually, because even though he's big, whenever he has space and you can see the corners or safeties trying to track him to bring down the tackle, they all take the incorrect pursuit angle because he's so long and a strider that it's deceptive speed. So uh, because of that, the elusiveness is a 7. Catch radius is an absolute 10. Nobody um, is as high as him. Uh, Let's see here. Acceleration is a 7. Again, he can go blockings an 8 in top end speed. Man, I I think I had him as a 7 initially, and I want to bump him up to an 8 because that combine was just unreal. So that's Hakeem Butler. Uh, I really, really like this kid, and I'm struggling keeping him in the second tier or putting him up in the first tier. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Now let's jump to a player that's completely different. Uh, in body and size, and that's AJ Brown out of Old Miss. You know DK Metcalf's roommate, six foot, two hundred twenty-six pounds, another four-four guy, 4.49, 32 inch arms, and nine and three-quarter hands. So a little bit smaller hands. This guy, there's not a lot of comps for him in the NFL. He is a jacked, athletic hybrid out of the slot. Now he played exclusively in the in the slot, and he's not your traditional kind of shifty. Trent Taylor slot guy, he's more of a juju slot guy. Like that's kind of what he looks like and plays like. Very large, um, he does let the body the ball get into his body way too much. And if you go and watch any Ole Miss's tape, you're scratching your head a lot because it's a very simplified offense. Uh, It's lots of just bubble screens, hitches, go-routes. And so because of that, we have another guy, and this is kind of the way that the NCAA is going, oversimplified offense and route trees and just allowing athleticism to beat your opponents, which Ole Miss had a whole bunch of athleticism, but some pretty poor coaching and some pretty poor uh, quarterback play. Uh, So least diversified route tree of all the top-tier wide receivers. Now he has the, the size to play outside, But it's a projection because we haven't seen him do it yet. So not saying A.J. Brown cannot play outside, just saying he hasn't done it. We haven't seen him do that at this level. And um, looks like a running back out there playing the slot, back-to-back 1,250-plus-yard seasons. And, I mean, that's a thing. Um, You know, 19 career touchdowns. He is an absolute playmaker. He caught 10 out of 24 deep balls. But he had 13 drops on 254 targets with a 74% catch rate. So if we look back at, you know, uh, Hakeem Butler, 17 drops on 110 targets, and here we go. He's got an extra 140 targets A.J. Brown does over him with four less drops. 74% catch rate is ideal. I mean, that's unreal. Uh, Slot wide receivers usually are about 10 points higher over outside wide receivers, but anything over 65% for any position whether you're a slot or whatever is usually seen as a good thing if you're in the 50s that's des bryant territory where they just drop a whole bunch of balls um michael crabtree in the past couple years uh led the nfl in drops he was at about a 53 percent catch rate now player comparison which i struggled with this one big time it's basically if Le'Veon bill came out of the draft as a slot-wide receiver, that's who A.J. Brown is. Um, I do think that he will go in the second round, and if your team already has a slot, I don't think that you want this guy Um, just because, again, he could play outside, but you haven't seen it, and he doesn't run the routes. So let's run him through the gauntlet. Route running is a six. He does run fairly good routes. It's just, man, he doesn't run a lot of them. Natural pass catcher is a three. Um, He lets the ball get into his body a lot, but his catch rate is high. So uh, that's one of those things, like is he still going to be able to get that type of separation at the NFL level against the elite cornerbacks? That's something we're going to have to see. So some teams are going to be like, man, I, I don't know if this is what I want out of this guy. Usually you go with, the kind of small, sure-handed wide receivers that are shifty in space. So a lot of teams are going to look at A.J. Brown and say, he doesn't really fit what we do. But some of the creative, new, innovative offensive coaches are going to look at him and say, we have to have this guy. So, again, it's kind of one of those pick your poison. Um, Some people want him, some people don't. Separation's a five, doesn't do a whole bunch of that. Contested catches is a six. Elusiveness is an eight. Get him the ball and just let him do whatever he wants to do. He is a huge first down machine because you could throw a five-yard hitch and he's going to fight for that extra five yards on first down because, again, think about a running back and just getting him the ball on the edge. Full route tree, he got a two, probably should have been a one. Catch radius is a six, acceleration is an eight, blocking is a six, and top end speed is an eight. So that's A.J. Brown. I really do like him. I'm curious to see where he's going to go. Hopefully, he goes to a system that fits uh, what he does. And instead of a coach trying to fit him into their system, uh, have a plan, man. Whoever drafts him, they better have a plan. If not, he's going to be his talent's going to be a waste. Now. Before we get to our third wide receiver, I just want to take a second just to thank our sponsors, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. These guys are the absolute best. They gave us, you know, a signed Jerry Rice helmet, a signed Frank Gore helmet, signed jerseys. Uh, we just gave out another signed Roger Craig jersey to my boy Travis. Congratulations again. Um, he tweeted out that he got that, and really appreciate you doing that. And so, these guys, if you have any memorabilia for any sports this is where you need to go game day sports memorabilia.com they've got it all and their prices are just unreal so game day sports and memorabilia just want to say thanks to those guys over there now the last wide receiver that i have in this top tier that is nakil harry out of arizona state six foot two 228 4.5340, 33 inch arms and nine and a half hands i was a little surprised about his hand size but that's okay now, a lot of people are going to have Nikhil Harry up in their top tier, and I am fine with that. I'm okay with that. Now, the reason why I don't have him up there, again, is you know, his size and athleticism are, are second to none. Uh, 6'2", I, you know, he was listed at 6'4", so I was a little bummed whenever he came in two full inches shorter than that. But his athleticism is there. Most of his routes were screens and go routes. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, very tight hip, though. And rounds off his breaks consistently. So he is a guy um, that you want to man up. (laughs) Against zone coverage, Nikhil Harry's going to be just, he's going to destroy it. But if you put a good corner on him, he's going to have some major issues. Um, Natural pass catcher when the ball is in front of him um after the outside of that like if he is posting up or doing a comeback route and then he always extends his hands but outside of that the ball is always bouncing off his shoulder pads or hitting him so a little bit it depends on where he is specializes in deep jump balls just think about a basketball player amazing at tracking the ball and waiting until the last second to go up and get it um zero separation but is very very physical and great at contested catches so if it's like that in the pack 12 where he played with arizona state Imagine what that's going to be like in the NFL. Again, a 6-2 guy and a 6-4 guy. I'm not saying he can't be successful. I think he will. But again, if he doesn't go to a creative wide receivers coach or creative offensive scheme, just know this guy is going to struggle mightily in his first and second year because he's already blanketed at the Pac-12 level. Guess what that's going to look like at the next level. So you better have a coach that can design and put him into space. Otherwise, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out. Again, if he's got a quarterback that's dead on accurate and can throw him open, I love it. You put him with a struggling offense and a struggling quarterback, this is going to seem like a bust in my opinion. Um, never missed a game in three years finished with back-to-back thousand years and 22 career tds Um, caught nine of out of 18 deep balls so again traveling 20 plus yards in the air so all those are great numbers um 15 drops on 327 targets. So again, still less drops than Hakeem Butler in an additional 200 targets. So 65% catch rate. Keep that in mind. And uh, you know, I was talking with on my other podcast just recently, um, and my my comp for him, and I don't mean this to be an insult, is Kenny Britt with more upside. Um Kenny Britt's talent, you know, coming out of North Carolina was unreal, and you could see what he could be. The problem was consistency and just lack of work ethic. So hopefully this guy is that same player, Kenny Britt, as far as athleticism and talent and all those things, but he's going to have to overcome a couple obstacles to get to that next level. So let's real quick, let's just go through what we got with him, route running. I gave him a three, and this is a big reason why I have him so low. Uh, Out of all the top tier guys, he is by far the worst route runner for me because, and maybe you could have said the same thing for DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry, their hips and body build are very, very similar. Their muscle mass is very, very similar. Obviously, DK's got more, but they never asked DK Metcalf to do any in-breaking routes or out-breaking routes, really, Uh, outside of simple ends, just simple in-routes and out-routes. There was no complexity there. Well, they did ask Nikhil Harry to do it, and he proved over and over again on film, that he couldn't do it. So just something to keep in mind there. Natural pass catcher, again, eight. He does it when the ball is in front of him. Separation is a two. Uh, Contested catches is a ten. So you're going to get a guy that's going to have a lot of highlight and almost circus catches, but not a lot of times where he's just in the space by himself. Elusiveness is a five. Full route tree is a two. Uh, catch radius is a nine that boy gets up there uh, acceleration four blocking is an eight very physical top end speed six so because for me route running and separation are two of my top three criteria that's why I have them bumped down but to put him outside of these top two tiers I think is just not a react you can't do that um, just because he's got so much there um, now a couple people asked me about Riley Ridley. I'll go over him relatively quickly. The best route runner and get off in the draft. It's just what he does. So as far as the first three seconds of the pass play, Riley Ridley should be number one. It's what happens after that that issues start to arise. You know, Riley Ridley. That's Calvin Ridley's brother. He's uh, out of Georgia, six foot one, hundred ninety nine pounds. Ran the forty in a four five eight, which was a little low. But that's okay, 32-inch arms and and 10-and-a-quarter hands. But, again, amazing routes and get-off. You can't press this guy. But what do you do with a guy that's only got 43 receptions in a year? That was the third target on his team in college. You know, Georgia's offense, obviously, completely stacked with ball carriers, uh, quarterbacks, O-linemen, everything. But to be the third option on your offense just out of wide receivers a lot of times, I think kind of puts into perspective. This is a guy that has all the potential and a lot of the talent, but he just he never came into fruition. Now on those forty three catches, he did get nine touchdowns. Um, it doesn't seem like he likes blocking a lot. So <laughs> um, if it's if it's an easy block, he's in the position. But he'll pull up short a lot of times and watch a defender hit his running back. And so several times as a coach, I'm watching his film, just like what the hell, man? Like I would be yelling at this dude on the sidelines for letting his teammate get slacked by somebody because he didn't want to put his shoulder or put his arms in there. And you see that quite often. So, you know, I've looked at pro football focus and they have his blocking grade fairly high. And I'm just like, this is one of those times where it's like, man, sometimes you just got to watch the film and say, this is unacceptable. I understand as far as numbers go one out of 10 times, but you don't see that dog in him. Uh, You don't see the, I'm going to get down and get dirty all the time. Yes, he shows it, but sometimes he just, again, kind of just holds his hands up and just watches. And I do not like people that watch other people play football. It's, it's a pet peeve of mine. Now, um, here's the deal. Only four catches on deep balls, um, 63% catch rate overall, nine drops on 109 targets. And kind of who I saw him was Miles Austin in his prime. So I, I, I know Miles Austin you know wasn't a big deal coming to uh, small school and all that stuff. But whenever Miles Austin was in his prime running routes and fully healthy and had an accurate quarterback, watch out. Sky's the limit for this guy. I mean, you're dating Kardashians. That's how good he is. So uh, if he falls into a system with a quarterback that is accurate and a player's coach – then I think he will be very, very successful. If not, it's going to take him a while because, again, are you expecting his production in college to jump up in the NFL? It can. It definitely can. But, again, this is a major projection. What's he going to play like whenever he is the focus of the defense and gets the number one corner on him as opposed to the number two corner in the SEC on him game in and game out? And he didn't play a lot of snaps either. Uh, They rotated a lot of guys in and out at Georgia. So how is he going to adjust to playing all of the snaps or 70% of the snaps this is going to be just a couple of things that we're gonna to have to look at I could see him going to the back end of the second round uh, there's just a lot of guys here so uh, obviously there's more uh you know J.J. Arcega-Whiteside Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, Emmanuel Hall all these guys and maybe if we have time we'll loop back before the draft and kind of go over the next tier of guys But we'll probably be moving on to another position group after this. So just want to say thanks. And if you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe. Um, Helps us a lot on iTunes. Leave us a uh, a review. Uh, Again, all you have to do is just say, hey, Siri, play 49ers Rush Podcast. And it'll go ahead and play. Oop, I did it again. I said it, and my phone's next to me, and it starts playing. So at least we know it works. <laughs> so, so there it is. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, and we will be back soon talking more NFL Draft and 49ers football.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.